0: Welcome to the CMB
1: Fantasy
2: Football League Podcast. Welcome back into another edition of the CMB Fantasy Football League Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Pace, joined as always by Zach Henson. Zach, how are you? Doing well. Zach, it's been, I don't know, a few weeks. Like, we had a huge break in between um, the episode before and the last episode, and I feel like it was only a few weeks ago from the last one. Does that make sense? Like, we
1: haven't... It's not been that long. No, not, not as long as it has been between other episodes, for sure.
2: Right, yeah. I am really looking forward to this one. This is episode 82. This is the tight end edition, I feel like. And, I mean, you know, one of the first 82s that comes to mind. Recently retired, heading to Monday Night Football, VFL, former Vol, former Cowboy, Jason Witt, number 82.
1: Yeah, I'm interested to see how he does in the booth. That'll be fun.
2: I think he'll be good. I think he'll be good. He, I mean, I would say, you know, a lot of people are, are debating whether he is hall of fame bound or not. I don't know if he is. Um, I, I think he had some really, really good years and he was pretty steady throughout. I mean, I'm imagining over the last 14 seasons, you and Brian had him on H and F at some point, right?
1: Yeah, I think we did at some point for sure. Especially in PPR. He was always good to, uh, get you a consistent amount of catches.
2: Yes, absolutely, especially during the uh, Tony Romo years. Yeah. This this next number 82, this is actually the first one that comes to mind for me, and we actually have on a special guest that would like to talk about num- this next number 82. Um, Terry Pace has finally joined the CNB Fantasy Football League podcast. Dad, we're talking about number 82s. Uh, who is your, go ahead and tell everyone your favorite player in the NFL and uh, somebody that plays for the Titans.
0: Well, probably my favorite player right now would be uh Mr uh, Hubert Delaney Walker. Why
2: um, do you like why do you like Delaney Walker so much?
0: Oh, I just think that he's a class act. I've seen him not only on the field, but I've seen him like at uh Predator Games and uh walked right past me, I could reach out and touched him. He just seems like he was just just a classy person. Um and also I like, you know, reading up on him I I like the causes that he stands for. I, I, I hate more than anything that is that uh, family members were killed, but um, I appreciate how he steps up and tries to help the community. Uh, I have, and, you know, in, uh, endeavors on um, uh, charities to help his cause.
2: Wow. I, I didn't expect you to go that route. I thought you were going to say, okay. wow, I thought you were going to say you loved what? his fedora. I thought I thought the thing I thought the thing you liked most about Delaney Walker was his fedora, his hat.
0: Oh yeah, well it, it was good. I like that. I was getting ready to say I like the, the way he dresses. His fedora is really nice. Um, I'm surprised they don't let him wear it on the field.
2: <laughs> hey, that that time we saw Delaney Walker at uh, at the Preds Arena at Bridgestone, you said you were close enough to touch him and go talk to him. Would you have ever walked up and talked to him or are you just were you too shy for that?
0: Well, sort of shy, but I would hate for him to get me in a big old bear hug and it hurt me. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's a good, say, well, who are you? Yeah,
1: that's a good point.
0: Or then again, he might say, you don't have to tell me who you
1: are. I know who you are. CP, <laughs> we, um, we, we, we wanted to talk about the ice bucket just for, just for a couple of minutes. Um, what is your favorite memory? From the uh, ice bucket video with Jordan,
0: my favorite memory.
1: Yeah,
0: being able to enjoy it so much and <laughs> dumping the ice, the
1: watery ice on him. From did from you about? Did you feel two bad? at up. Did you feel bad? Did you feel bad? No, it, at any time did you no. feel bad dumping all those ice buckets on him?
0: No, I felt. I felt. Uh, I felt justified. <laughs>
1: <laughs> justified. Did you feel like this was a? Maybe like a life lesson for pace. Do you feel like it was? Oh, I'm not sure. You know what I mean? If you play, you got to pay. Yeah. If you don't play well, then if you don't play well,
0: then you got to pay well.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think he paid well. I like that. Yeah, we saved a couple clips uh, for the podcast that we're going to play this season, and uh, here they are.
0: Ice fucking challenge, baby.
1: You like that one? <laughs> That's a good one. All right, and th- here's one more. One more. I know, I know the next one you're getting to though. Okay. You're loser. Do you approve? of those two clips for the uh, podcast? Yeah, I approve of those. Okay. Now, right. You
0: got to understand that 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 second one was just in the heat of the moment. I, you know, I of oh, course, really? you know, I love I love Jordan more than more than anything,
1: and I would never say that. No, let's TP- would never no. say that personally to him. No, don't. Don't don't say it. You don't have to say that. Okay. I never, that's, the, that's the first That's the first
2: time I've ever heard him say that.
1: Where yeah. someone else could hear it. All right. I'd say maybe two of the same to where someone else could hear it. All right. We we know you got to go. I got one more question for you. Um, All right. With the proposal recently from uh, with Pace and, and Brandy, were there any tears shed right. on your behalf? Uh, do you have any comment on this situation of the engagement?
0: Well, I think we're getting a very fine Fine young lady in our family. The only drawback I would have is that uh, we can look for somebody else for Brandy if she needs to.
1: <laughs> all right. Um, that's all the questions I have. That's all I got. That was good. All right. Well,
2: yeah. all
1: right. Hey, I haven't seen hope you.
2: Know y'all
0: have a gr- hope y'all have a great day. I can't believe the podcasts are, are starting up again.
1: Oh, yeah. Cool. Hey, they never stop. They'll be playing here in the next few weeks. Hey, we may call you again, okay? Well, all right, but you know, I don't like being put on the spot. Gotcha. Hey, I haven't seen you at Walmart recently. What's going on? Yeah, I've been looking for you,
0: but I can't find you. Okay,
1: all right. I'll keep my eye out.
0: My philosophy is my philosophy is get in and get out. Gotcha. Okay. All right,
1: you guys oh, have wow. a great day. All right, thanks. Yeah. See dad. you, dad. You got everybody there or it's just you two? It's just us. Uh, just but, us. I mean the whole league's gonna listen to this, so Alright. Yeah.
0: <laughs> all right, you guys have a great day.
1: All right, see, yep, see you, dad.
0: Okay, hey, love you, love you guys.
2: Well, uh, once again, that was my father, Terry Pace. Zach, were you surprised we finally got him on the show and under these conditions?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a great get for the podcast, and uh, I guess Jake can't really complain anymore.
2: Yeah, I don't. I never understood that. It's like I, I wonder if Jake was jealous that we talked about my dad more than him. <laughs> uh, there was definitely some envy there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well. TP was good. That was, that was fun.
2: Yeah, better than I thought. Um, I'll say that. But this does bring me to a poll question. I mean, we talked about Jason Witten and Delaney Walker. Delaney Walker, arguably, I, I, I think Delaney Walker is the best free agent pickup in Tennessee Titans history. Um, I mean, there's some other guys that come to mind. Um, you could even say Frank Wycheck back in the in the late 90s with the Oilers. But I think Delaney Walker is the best tight end in Titans history, but also the best free agent pickup. So that leads me to this poll question. Zach, who is the greatest free agent signing in NFL history? That can be recent history
1: or just ever. Who comes to mind? Um, I guess what comes to mind was when uh, Peyton Manning picked the Broncos over the Titans. So yes, I'll, I'll go with that one because I guess that worked out well for the Broncos because uh, they got a Super Bowl. So that, that was pretty memorable for me.
2: That was one that I had thought of too. I mean, he was he was, you know, he missed all of 2011 with that neck surgery. And then in 2012 signs with the Broncos and in four seasons with the Broncos, two Super Bowl appearances, one win, one loss. And I think he really during his time with the Broncos, he moved himself into that Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks. Um, especially with that record-setting, you know, 2013 season.
1: Yeah, and Um, I feel feel like I remember during that whole process of when he was deciding between the Titans or the Broncos. I feel like they had a a uh, helicopter following him, like driving around. It was almost like O.J. Simpson and the Bronco, Uh, but it it was was, like they were following Peyton in a car. I mean, that's how crazy it was. That was just I
2: I remember. Yeah,
1: the hype was it was real with that.
2: It was like TMZ. And from what I remember, that was one of the. I think, you know, it was a year before Bud Adams died, former owner of the Titans. Um, He, well, he really wanted Peyton. I mean, he was going to do anything to get Peyton Manning. And I just remember that. It was so creepy. Like um, back then, I guess it was Baptist Sports Park, the Titans facility. You'd see like News Channel 2 cameras through the trees, through the bushes, trying to get a a glimpse of Peyton.
1: It got kind of creepy. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was bizarre. That was.
2: I mean, we talked about I mean, so Delaney Walker, he signed with the Titans in twenty thirteen. He was in Vernon Davis's shadows for a number of years in San Francisco. And then he emerged as the starter in Tennessee. Three straight pro bowls in the last three seasons. He's a top five tight end in, in pretty much every statistic. Um best tight end since Frank Wycheck, arguably better, and in five seasons with the Titans, three hundred and fifty-six catches. 4156 yards, 26 touchdowns. I mean,
1: oh yeah, pretty. He's been awesome.
2: Great signing for the team. I mean, you heard from my dad. Um, his f- favorite current player.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, Who did you another read again? Who was it that we let
2: go? Uh the... oh, Jared. Jared Cook.
1: Cook. Yeah, and I remember when he left. We like you know all the Titans fans are like you know just could not believe that we let him go and. Then we got Delaney, and you heard like he had some potential and stuff, but nobody really was buying into it. And man, he's just, he just exceeded all expectations.
2: So another quarterback that comes to mind, though, Drew Brees. Um, you know, he was with the Chargers for so long. He had a torn labrum in 2005, his last year with the Chargers. There was that whole period where, um, you know, Nick Saban at the time. This is how long ago this was? Nick Saban, coach of the Dolphins at the time really trying hard to get Drew Brees to sign with the Dolphins. And, you know, he got cold feet last minute, signs with the Saints in 06. This was the season after Hurricane Katrina, if you remember. Oh, yeah. They win an NFC championship, in his, or they, they go to the NFC championship game, I should say, in his first season with the Saints, win the Super Bowl three years later, and is now a top-five quarterback all-time in pass attempts, yards, and touchdowns. I mean – Pretty great get for the Saints, I would say.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah, he's still still slinging it pretty well out there.
2: All right. Zach, my next one here is a linebacker, um, 2001. Do you know who I'm referring to here? It's kind of a stretch.
1: Like a number 82? No, oh, no, no. This no, no, is no. A, the best signing?
2: Yes, a linebacker from 2001. Which team? New England Patriots.
1: You're going to go with uh, the coach of the Titans now.
2: Current head coach of the Tennessee Titans, Mike Vrabel. So, I mean, maybe this is a stretch, but hear me out. So he signs with the Patriots in 2001 after he was not uh, re-signed by the Steelers who drafted him. Uh, His first year with the team in 2001 helps them to their first Super Bowl, you know, in his first year with the team, wins two more. He had 12 career catches for 12 touchdowns and two of them were in two different Super Bowls. So basically he helped the Patriots to three Lombardi trophies in four seasons. I mean, that's a pretty good signing by the Pats. Yeah, that'll work. (laughs) Not to just make this a Titans podcast, but that was a pretty good get for the get for the Patriots.
1: Oh yeah. And hopefully a good get for the, uh, for the Titans, right?
2: Yeah. And I mean, I know I just said, we didn't want to make this a Titans podcast. We've already talked about Delaney Walker talked about my dad we've talked about peyton manning and the titans we just talked about mike vrabel um we might as well go ahead and just round this out um we actually my dad was not the call of the week he was a special guest but not the call of the week this is one of those rare occasions we get multiple calls here all jokes aside but um let's uh let's bring on a special guest it's time for the call of the week Our next guest is a great get for this podcast. He has a unique perspective on the NFL with one team in particular, and we're now thrilled to hear from Tennessee Titans social media manager, Nate Bain. Nate, thanks for joining us.
3: Hey, guys. Thank you for having me. Excited to talk to you.
2: Hey, real quick, man. saw your post from this week. You've had a fun week, and last weekend looked like you were at Bonnaroo. How was it?
3: Yeah, personally, Bonnaroo was awesome, man. And Came right from Bonnaroo. Uh, Straight into the Titans, and we've done a a go-kart outing with the linebackers, and uh, we had a uh, training day with the uh, Metro Nashville Police Department. So it's been a wild three or four days, but it's been fun, man. Bonnaroo was was nuts. Good to see Alt-J, the Killers, Moon Taxi, which is a personal favorite, and uh, Future. So uh, we did a one-day pass at Bonnaroo, and it was well worth it.
2: That's awesome, man. I think you have one of the most, like, you know, enviable or or – uh, a gig in in life, working with an NFL team, working with social media that a lot of people envy. Uh, so, you know, a big reason we wanted to have you on this podcast, we want to get kind of behind the mind of an NFL team's social media. You're like the Wizard of Oz of all things coming from the Titans at Handle. So first of all, can you tell us exactly what the role of an NFL team's social media manager is like and uh, what's some of the content you're responsible for?
3: Certainly, that's that's a super loaded question, but uh, it's it's a it's a fun job, no doubt about it. Uh, but it's definitely crazy, and it's twenty four seven. You know, I'm just uh, the other night was up for you know past midnight, just sorting through photos from training camp practice and different outings that we've had that kind of backed up, and, and guys want. Uh, I think there's a good, a uh, LinkedIn article or blog They just talked about the pros and cons of the social media managers in general uh some of the things you wouldn't think about but my day-to-day kind of just entails kind of just cataloging and capturing and telling a story of our team uh that may be on snapchat instagram uh maybe a story on facebook uh whatever, whatever it may be but just trying to get we're you know we're a small market we're a team that hasn't been good for a while had a good year last year and just trying to you know Get our story out there to as many people as possible, and, and and make it as interesting as possible. So we may at least get people to understand some of our players, recognize some of our players. Uh, everyone knows Marcus and uh, Derrick Henry, but Taylor wand and some of the other guys. I think Taylor's done a great job of becoming a national name through some of his other antics at predators games on social media and, and the like. Um, and I've it's been cool. I've been here for it's been my second season but uh, just showing ownership of the power of social and a quick, hopefully example that shows kind of what our social channels can do. We threw a party the night before the Kansas city playoff game and we only put it on social, Hey, meet up at this bar. And we packed it out with 200, 300 people. Uh, and we had people flying from London uh, from I think, New Zealand and Mexico and also in California and Texas and all throughout the state. So it for me is truly global and it's kind of a new territory for all these NFL teams, but it's one that can kind of rally all the fans no matter where you are and you can still enjoy and connect uh, through platforms.
2: Yeah, I feel like that's, that's part of the job that I think is, is a positive for people like you and, um, you know, minicamp officially ended today, I think, I could be wrong, but so the next, you know, six weeks are right. um, definitely not the most exciting time of the year someone in your shoes so if we fast forward to week one how mentally prepared do you have to be to sit behind the trigger of that that titans at handle you know during the middle of a game when you're getting blasted by fans and people around the league you know fantasy players
3: oh no doubt it's uh definitely something you build up for this time is definitely a downtime that you just referenced minicamp is over but uh everything i'm doing now is kind of preparing for that week one that you that you just referenced uh a decent story that kind of relates to what we're talking about is I have a buddy that used to work at USA soccer or uh, US soccer and uh, He's been preparing for I think two years for the World Cup and they didn't qualify So he had all these content plans and all of these ideas and all these partnerships in the works So you know once the World Cup started uh, He was gonna be just moving 100 miles an hour, but but everything was prepared and then when they didn't qualify uh, we were all bummed out with nobody more so than him because he's been working on it for two years. So, I uh, had not been working on it that long, but definitely uh, this whole offseason, we were working on different ideas, uh, different creative looks, uh, different ideas for the guys. Uh, a lot of it depends on wins and losses, but uh, definitely there's a lot of thought that goes into what week one and week two and week three looks like.
2: I mean, so, like, during the middle of a game on an average Sunday during the regular season, um, what's some of the worst stuff you get? Do you see a lot of that stuff from, from, like, fantasy football players who will just write at the Titans? Do you see that stuff on a Sunday?
3: Yeah, I mean, we uh, and, yeah we, we were at the, the forefront of it uh, last year with, with an offense that just kind of never really clicked and hit. Uh, and Before, I was with the Titans, I was with the Rams, and we had uh, an awful offense there that now has since – you know, done a complete 180 into last year, and just talking to the folks at the Rams, just how much more positive everybody is, how much more people pay attention to the team and the social account for stat updates, to see what Gurley does, and uh, hopefully that that can then happen this next year. With uh, selfishly, it didn't really do much for the team, but for, for me, we, we could get a huge boost in just engagement and his overall just followers if we get Derek Henry clicking that he gets you know, 1500 yards and 12 touchdowns, something like that and can become yeah. a fancy player. Uh, you definitely can get that noise and can get that extra boost that, uh, a team in a small market like us need.
2: I mean, are you ever tempted to, to write back something snarky from that Titans account? Do you have to kind of, uh, pull your finger away from the trigger sometimes?
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been in the league doing social for five years now, but, uh, I definitely, I can go back and try to pull something for you guys. But, uh, I definitely <laughs> came into the job to try to set a tone and kind of try to differentiate a voice from, from the previous regime. Uh, definitely got snippy at some people. I'm trying to think of some of the better examples. I think some kids uh, – it may have been even in the off season. I think Twitter actually used it as like a feature tweet and something. But uh, uh, to paraphrase, the kid have something like you guys, we you know, won't be – we'll go 0-16 next year with Marcus as your quarterback. And then I think I responded to something. Something very light, but something like we'll definitely go and 16 if you're our quarterback and that's oh yeah uh, a rise out of, of of the fans and I've done a couple other things here and there uh to get a little chirpy, but maybe I don't go as extreme as <laughs> uh, you know the powerhouse like l a King's accounts and ones that have been super uh famous for that stuff. I don't know if John Robinson would love that degree, but they, he definitely is uh open to to being a little little chirpy here now and uh every now mm-hmm. and then or when it, uh, the opportunity presents itself.
2: Yeah, and on the flip side, how fun is it in your role to take advantage of, you know, an insane performance like, you know, Kevin Byard getting three picks in the same game? How fun is that to t- take advantage of, of the good?
3: Oh, no doubt, yeah. yeah. It, 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 running an account when you're, you know, losing can also be super challenging, and I think you can even find out who your best, like, social media managers are. I think, like, the Cleveland Browns, there's going to have Allie Raymond that runs their account, and she's phenomenal, and they didn't win a, win a game last year. Or they won one game in two years. Uh, but, yeah, the flip side, it's super – not super, but it's, it's definitely a lot easier to run it when, when Kevin's making three picks in a game and player of the week and all that kind of stuff. But the locker room's a lot more exciting. Their guys are more open to doing stuff. Uh, I mean, after that playoff win in Kansas City, I think everyone wanted my phone. Everyone wanted to, you know, do a selfie, video, and or you know, cheer in the locker room and show what's going on there, or running around, you know, high five fans with it. So uh, those victories and those big plays definitely, as as anyone would, uh, it's a lot more fun to cover, and, and you can do a lot more stuff with it.
2: I would say I'm unique in saying this, Nate, but I feel like you know during that whole uh, the hype that that led up to the the new uniform reveal. The, one of the first people I thought of was Nate Bain. I was like, this guy has to have this kind of knowledge, and he's been sitting on this for so long. How hard was that event to uh, to keep under wraps? And I guess just the the weight off your shoulder once that news and that, that uniform was finally made public. How, how fun was that whole event? Oh, it's definitely – you You know, you definitely have a secret to keep. And I don't know whether – I'm um, and
3: I'm not a parent. But maybe it's like a parent, you know – on Christmas or whatever it may be, you've got something that you can't wait to show someone else. Uh, and there definitely was a little bit of uh, nervousness too—whether fans are gonna like it, they're not gonna like it. Uh, I think grown-on folks, and it was kind of mixed reaction at first, but I think once everyone saw it together, uh, people were geeked for it. But it not That—that that was a fun event. Uh, similar when I was with the Rams, moving from St. Louis to L.A. Was you know you know what's about to happen, and you can't wait for them to announce it. Or, uh, some of those things are, are are very fun, and that also makes it you know part of a little secret club when you're trusted enough by ownership and the head coach and the GM to to keep those secrets and and get your content. Um, yeah, it's pretty pretty fun, and then that whole event itself was wild. And I think our you know Amy, the, the team owner, did a phenomenal job in planning all that stuff. And I think because of that uniform unveil, we're going to have the draft uh, next year, and that's going to be. I think a really cool event for not only the Titans but the city of Nashville. We're going to party pretty
0: hard that week.
2: Yeah, I was going to ask about that Super Bowl because I think the the reveal party and the and the turnout for that crowd um, probably directly influenced, definitely directly influenced, you know, Nashville getting the draft. I mean, outside of of the city you live in hosting a draft or hosting a Super Bowl and and the team winning a Super Bowl is hosting the draft. You know, the best thing that could happen for somebody in your shoes.
0: I think
3: in in, in the NFL uh, world, I think that definitely is the the league has done a good job of making. You know, they want to make this sport year round uh, as much as they possibly can. Uh, and you know, for all the purposes of drafts, or sorry, the combine's always going to be in Indianapolis. I'm sure it'll eventually move to Los Angeles. Uh, the draft, I feel like it's kind of the second biggest thing the league does, uh, just because of star power and the two primetime days. Uh all the different celebrities and folks all coming to town and then they've got the red carpet and all sorts of stuff. So uh yeah, I think other than hosting the Super Bowl, that's uh probably the second best thing you can do as far as NFL event wise.
2: We you know, you talked about the the Chiefs tailgate and assembling that kind of last minute party and and all the cool things you've got to do in the last year with the team. Um what comes to mind as being kind of your favorite off the field story, you know, that you've been a part of with, with the Titans?
3: Man, yeah, we've had a – I guess I've had a very uh, – I've been very blessed to have a, a great first year. Um, I could go two ways with it. We've had – I mean, anything Marcus does off the field, he's just – I'm about Marcus Mariota. is the best dude in general, and anything he does uh, is super heartwarming and also it just goes completely viral. I think our two biggest social pieces didn't have anything to do with football. Uh, one was Marcus – Hugged a kid with Down syndrome on his way out uh, in New York before we played the Jets. I think that got like 20 million views and was the most, you know, engaged, interacted with Titan social post of all time. And then he came. He followed that up with one in of the off season. Uh, we had a uh, flag football event that benefited, uh, I think, you know, some community service event, and he was throwing footballs with some of the uh, some of the kids, and that went viral too. Um, in addition, uh, we brought up – there was a kid on Christmas uh, from Western Michigan who was a huge Corey Davis for his time uh, in college. And his brother put this video on how excited he was to get this Corey Davis jersey. Uh, we called the family. Uh, Corey ended up flying the family to one of our games. Uh, he got – the kid had uh, – again, I think he had uh, Down syndrome. Was able to meet Corey. We gave him a jersey. He got to have sideline passes. We did a whole video around it. Uh, that was really cool not only from a from a social perspective, but just a human being point. Thank you. It was so cool. So excited to meet Corey. Uh, and then on a selfish way, I just enjoyed meeting our fans. You guys with the podcast, uh, the tailgate that we have, we've got a really, really it may not be the biggest fan base, but we've got a super creative fan base on social, on Reddit. Uh, they party super hard. We've got Matt Neely and, and Vincent Love and all these, these young and up and comers, guys in their twenties who are ready to kind of, be the face of the fan base, which has been really cool to just witness and be a part of.
2: And I would imagine, too, you know, and we'll kind of get here near the end, but interacting with the players on this team, I'm sure, is a really cool part of of your gig. Um, This is our 82nd episode as a podcast. So, naturally, this is our Delaney Walker episode. Uh, Not to put you on the spot, but do you have a favorite Delaney Walker moment or story during your time with the Titans?
3: I love the Delaney Walker podcast. That's awesome. Uh, Dwayne is, is such an interesting guy, man. I mean, no matter how you kind of slice it, he, he definitely is interesting. And, and they're all good ways from, a, from being stuck behind Vernon Davis uh, to then blossoming here uh, to then – I mean, I think my favorite moment with him – I'm trying to think. there has been a lot. He's he's awesome in the community. He's one of the first people to do anything with the military. He's been on countless, like, USO tours. I mean, the dude just a – he's just a – but when you say NFL veteran, I feel like I always will think of Delaney now. Um, but probably the Pro Bowl, man. I mean, he was down there. He was hanging out. He was kind of reserved. He, he didn't go out to, like, some of the parties and stuff that we went to. Um, and then I remember thinking, you know, we've got a punter. We've got two linemen. Uh, we got Bayard, who, you know, maybe he'll get a pick. Who, and then Delaney, I almost kind of forgot about him. He's just always so consistent so reliable. We're like, maybe he can't get that much stuff. Uh, and it starts to rain and I kind of go inside and go up to the press box at the uh, Pro Bowl and then boom Delaney scores a touchdown he scores another one he leads the AFC back uh, you know I think come behind a win scores the very end Pro Bowl MVP he gets the trophy he gets the car Uh, that was a really cool moment just because you know you kind of I feel like Delaney always kind of sneaks up on folks and does that kind of thing I, I almost forgot about him the whole week and then he's, <laughs> there he is being the Pro Bowl MVP so uh maybe not like the behind the scenes as much but just that's probably what kind of delaney does same thing with like today we uh we're we're with metro pd doing stuff and you know i kind of almost forgot about delaney and he's he's doing the uh assault rifle training and he hits like i don't know seven of eight on his targets and stuff just kills it so uh he's an awesome guy awesome veteran and you think he's almost done and what he's you know, He's up there in his 30s, and he's still our leading receiver and still one of the best tight ends in the league. So uh, we'll see how long he can keep it up.
2: Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. And lastly here, and we'll leave this one kind of open-ended, our favorite segment on our podcast is we do this thing called No Thanks during the offseason, where basically we declare players around the league that we're going to say no thanks to this next season. So we're they're not necessarily predicting they're going to have a bad year. We just don't want them on our team. Um, so you don't, I guess you don't really have to call out any players in particular but just is there anything that you're saying no thanks to heading into next season? You just say no thanks.
3: I kind of like that. Hmm, What am I saying (laughs) no thanks to? We'll keep it somewhat PC, but no thanks. Uh, Luckily, I think, I'll say for one, Um, we'll be a little bit of uh, a baby when it comes to this, but thankfully our Titans uh, weight schedule is actually really, really good this year, and uh, all of our, like, Super cold weather games are early on in the season, I think from Buffalo uh, to Green Bay and a few of the other ones. so I'll say no thanks to the uh, to the cold weather games. Let' go to New York once and then we're in London in the fall, but those still won't be too too terrible. I think New York's maybe during Christmas time, so at least it will be cold, but we'll get uh, the Rockefeller Plaza and all that awesome stuff we will get to see New York at Christmas, but uh, other than that we're going to be pretty warm for most of the season
2: so I'll just have you say it here so so cold weather. No, thanks.
3: Saying no thanks to cold weather,
2: for sure. All right, man. Hey, really appreciate you joining. This was a lot of fun. Once again, that was Nate Bain, social media manager for the Tennessee Titans. Nate, thanks for hopping on. That was great. Yeah, thank you, brother. Thanks for having me. Zach, that was was a really good conversation with Nate Bain. I'll just say this. Like, you know, that was an idea that we had to have, you know, a social media manager from an NFL team come on. Why not get the local team? I mean, that could have gone – either really well like it did or, you know, kind of boring, kind of poorly. Uh, I I thought Nate was great. What do you
1: think, Zach? Oh, yeah. I thought he was – I think he's got a lot of good stories. And I think we just barely scratched the surface.
2: Oh, for sure. I mean, just tracking Nate in the last year with the Titans, all of their social media has improved, I would say, in the last, you know, 365 days or however long he's been here. Yeah. Um, Some really cool stuff. Um, but, yeah, I mean, follow Nate Bain. Follow him at Nate, B-A-I-N, Nate Bain on Twitter. Um, of course, follow the Titans on social media platforms if you want to see some of the cool stuff he's doing. I'm telling you, I said it to him at the beginning that I would drop my job in a heartbeat to do that for a living. That would that be so much fun.
1: Yeah, that's a definite dream job. That's awesome.
2: Well, let's uh, let's look at some other teams around the league and take a trip around the league. Let's take a trip around the league. This is that time of year, Zach, where, uh, you know, the next six weeks, especially, you know, many camps are ending around the league. It is dead period. I mean, this is like, this is MLB season, which I know someone like you, you know, pretty avid Braves fans excited about, but there is nothing going on. NBA finals just ended. NHL finals ended. um, So we have some league news since the last time we were on this podcast, Julian Edelman suspended four games for violating the NFL's substance abuse policy. It's not official yet, um, Zach, because he's currently appealing. Um, but if that holds up, that'll be four games, um, not in the Patriots lineup. I mean, do you think this is, a, this is a big deal, Zach, to his stock in fantasy? To Edelman's stock?
1: Yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. he'll definitely take a hit. And I mean, he's coming back from a, you know, an injury. So, um, I don't know. You just don't know what to expect with Edelman. But it, the real interesting thing to me is who's going to get the, uh, I guess, all the passes, you know, that, are, that he's leaving behind, especially after they left uh, Amendola and Brandon Cooks, let them go in free agency. So um, it'll be interesting to see what goes on with the Patriots. As always, it'll be unpredictable.
2: Yeah, un- oh, what is predictable is they'll probably win the AFC East and be back in the playoffs. I mean, they they just they they always find a way. Uh, I mean, without Edelman, here's their receiving core: you've got Philip Dorsett, you've got Chris Hogan, um, Kenny Britt. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, this is yeah, blast from the past, but I, I think they'll be fine. We talked about their their running back committee. Um, for anything, I mean, for Edelman, I, I think he would be a fifth round and higher draft pick anyway, even without. The suspension, um, but Zach, in your opinion, I mean, Julian Edelman is not a guy like Zeke Elliott. You know what I'm saying? Like Zeke Elliott, we knew about his six game suspension, and he was still drafted in the first round. This this actually could hurt Edelman.
1: Yeah, and and like I said, he's coming back from an injury, so it's it would be a gamble regardless um, with somebody like that. But um, playing for the Patriots and Tom Brady's under center, so it'll always be attractive in fantasy.
2: Staying in Foxborough, um, two players of note with the Patriots. I mean, the two most notable Patriots, Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. They are currently uh, sitting out of the minicamp for the Pats. Um, both of these are contract-related, of course. Some more holdouts. I don't even know if I want to call them holdouts. These are guys that are are skipping the mandatory minicamps. Julio Jones, Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack, and Taylor are all no-shows. Zach, I don't think anybody has anything to be worried about now, um, but any of those guys that you that I just mentioned, are you at all concerned that uh, this might be something that lingers or, or is
1: delayed until training camp? Well, uh, it was kind of interesting where that one day all the Gronk trade rumors came out, and then there's all this talk about how Gronk's not happy there, and I don't know, where there's where there's smoke, there's fire. It's just kind of, I don't know, there's some interesting stuff going on behind the scenes with the Patriots for sure. Um, and then you got Julio Jones who scrubbed all of his social media accounts and how he's holding out, you know. Uh, right. But I, hopefully none of this really goes into the season, but I wouldn't be surprised if it did.
2: The one thing, like, like you mentioned with Gronk, I that's the one of, of all these players, that is the first one that comes to mind where I think there's a, actually a chance that he might not be on the same roster come week one. Um, The two teams that I've seen in these trade rumors are the San Francisco 49ers and the Titans, oddly enough. I don't think that's real. Um, I could see a situation where he goes to San Francisco and pairs up with with Jimmy G. Uh, That would would be – man, can you imagine that? Oh, yeah. That would make things exciting for sure. I mean, the the, the Niners are going from a team that had a top 10 pick in the draft three years in a row the last three years to now – People are talking about them going to the NFC Championship. I mean, they
1: are that rags-to-riches team this year. Wow, yeah. I'm excited for the season to start.
2: Some big news in the AFC South. It has officially been over 500 days, but Andrew Luck has thrown a football. Zach, it wasn't an NFL um, football. It wasn't the Duke. You know, as they say, like the actual regulation size. I think it's a high school size ball. Yeah. Uh, But there's video footage of Andrew Luck throwing a football for the first time in almost two off-seasons. He's back. And so we have some audio. This is Andrew Luck talking after his first day of practice that was available to the media. Bottom line, come September, whatever it is against Bengals, you expect to be yeah knock
3: absolutely no do. no knock on wood i'm gonna be there i'll be playing it's you know, you'll be there. You'll be i believe there. it in my
1: bones yeah the question is does chase gall believe it in his bones that's what we yeah
2: need. we need to ask chase gall no knock on wood is andrew luck gonna play i it's strange like you know the, the titans have never beaten andrew luck and I'm pretty sure his record against the Jags and the Texans is over 750. I mean, it's insane the damage that he has done against the AFC South. Um, I'll believe it when I see it with with Andrew Luck and with the Colts. I, I think there's a real chance Jacoby Brissett still plays. Wow, yeah.
1: It's a crazy situation.
2: And, and, uh, and anybody that's watched – Zach, I think we talked about Hard Knocks last week. Have you watched the other show, All or Nothing, that Amazon does?
1: No, I do not even – I didn't even know there was another show.
2: <laughs> Dude, okay, so All or Nothing, and I don't want this to be an All or Nothing podcast, but I think it's a, the better show, whereas like Hard Knocks is just training camp. All or Nothing follows a team throughout the entire regular season. Um, and the first time I watched it was last year with the Rams. You, you, you get to see Jeff Fisher get fired. Um, you, you watch them win at the beginning of the year, and then you watch them lose like eight in a row. Um, this past year, the team was the Dallas Cowboys and you see Zeke Elliott quite a bit, and it kind of reminded me that, hey, Zeke's back. He's, he's scheduled to play all 16 games, you know, barring injury. No suspensions this year. Um, what, what are you expecting from Zeke Elliott, Zach, returning from that six-game suspension um, this year in fantasy?
1: Um, I still think that he – I mean, he'll go top – I don't even know. I would assume probably top five picks in our draft this year. So nobody's going to be waiting on him. I can't remember where he went last year. Somewhere like maybe seven or something like that. I think he'll go before then, and I think he'll still be productive. I mean, he's still going to catch the ball in the backfield, and um, um, I, I still think he'll be one of the top running backs. I think he should be drafted that high. I mean, you, you got to think since he played.
2: Okay, so f- well, let's rewind to I don't know when it was like week twelve or week eleven when he last played. Here's here's the Cowboys' offense. Jason Witten was the starting tight end. Des Bryant, starting receiver. Terrell Williams. So all these guys that were, you know, within that lineup are all gone from this offense. Um, and, and no one, obviously, has been drafted to really replace him in, in that role and, and to take a lot of the carries or take receptions away from Zeke. Um, if anything, you know, Dak Prescott has fewer options to throw to, so I think they're moving even more toward the run now. Yeah, that's uh, a good point. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'll am i be interested to see, you know, where he goes in a lot of leagues. I think he will go, like you're saying, pretty high in our league.
1: Yes, for sure.
2: Yeah, let's move away from the NFL and into our league with some uh, some of our own fantasy league news. We um, – I wouldn't say a ton has happened since the last episode. I wish we had Ryan Risher on. Rish has some personal news. I know uh, he shared this news maybe a week or two ago, but Rish has moved – um and transition jobs and is now a real estate agent i guess you call it he's got a new gig in real estate yep um i really want him to come on here and and pub this because he's really happy about this new gig i thought maybe he'd come on and share some smack talk for jake maybe make some kind of joke about how he has real estate in his head or something like that is that good
1: yeah yeah i think so (laughs)
2: <laughs> um, but we'll get we'll get rich on another time. I I mean, speaking of Jake, though, and this is definitely something I wanted to mention. Zach, you put in the in the Facebook group. I guess it was like Tuesday or Monday that league fees were due. The twenty five dollars that everyone pays. You're now taking payment. A bunch of different payment um methods that we won't share on this podcast, but we'll continue to post in the in the Facebook group. Um, But the first person to pay – just go ahead and don't – let's just share it. Who was the first person to pay in our league?
1: Yeah, and it was Jake. Jake was the very first one. I mean, he was almost immediate. So I, I really do appreciate that. Unfortunately, he put that he was uh, – it was for the Sean Kemp um, scholarship, which, I mean, that's a poor choice, you know, if you're going to spend your money. But uh, that's that's what he wants to – send his money to so that's that's up to jake
2: let's break that down a little bit where do we think the scholarship is for is this for sean kemp is this for one of his kids who
1: knows i mean one of his many kids that yeah it, i mean phew, the possibilities are endless it's, i can't believe we're even talking about it really
2: i felt obligated to go ahead and, and I mean, I obviously paid the $25 league fee, but I felt obligated to donate that as well to the, the Sean Kemp scholarship. So,
1: yeah. So, uh, let's see. Jake paid. And then right after him was Rish, Rish paid. And then Pace you pay and you also donate to the the scholarship as well. So what do you have to say about that? I I
2: mean, it, it just felt right. That's, that's what needed to be done. Um, you know, I feel bad for Jake sometimes. He kind of gets ganged up on. I mean, he's definitely. You know, we talk all the time now about you don't want to be on the wrong side of history um, when it comes to certain things in society with like social issues. So you don't want to be on the wrong side of history. We hear that a lot, and I think Jake is clinging to the wrong side of uh, early to mid '90s NBA history. Would you agree?
1: Oh yeah, yeah.
2: Um. So anyway, I I set all that up to just remind everyone, and Zach, you can go ahead and tell everyone, league fees are now open. They are due. When are they due by, Zach? And and give us some more league
1: items that are kind of coming up here in the next couple of weeks to month. Yeah, so the pre-draft meeting is a little over a month away now. So uh, July 30th, that's a Monday night, and it'll be at 8.15 p.m. Central. And everybody can call in or – Uh, joined by video or whatever it may be and then we'll go over the drafting process and if we're going to make any changes to the league which we can talk about in a future podcast but just go ahead and do it guys there's plenty of ways paypal Venmo, cash app write me a check in person just go ahead 25 bucks 25 bucks
2: um Zach, I feel like we're getting kind of near the end here. We had a really good episode. I mean, we had two special guests. I'll leave that up to uh, the listeners who was the better guest here, yeah. uh, Terry Pace or Nate Bain. It's a shame we had to put them on the same night. That's right. Um, to make to leave that choice for people. But um, Zach, do we have some tweets of the week?
0: Tweet of the week.
1: You want me to go first? Yeah, I'll let you go first. Okay. Um, Jake is already aware of this, but uh, I-, I sent Jake a, a text this morning. It said, happy anniversary. And he wrote back and said, he said, uh, <laughs> June 14th, question mark. And then he realized what he had done. And uh, I'll just play this audio.
0: Michael against Russell, 12 seconds, 11, 10. Jordan to drive, hangs, fires. yes, scores! He scores! The Bulls lead 87-86 with five and two tenths left. Oh, my goodness.
1: He's unbelievable. Oh, my goodness. That's right. 20 years ago today, Jordan hit the last shot and won his sixth title. So, that is my tweet of the week.
2: I feel like that tweet of the week, we still need a sponsor for that. Tweet of the week sponsored by, insert here. Uh, But Jake definitely triggered after listening to that. I know he is.
1: Yeah, he wasn't happy about getting that. But most of my texts to Jake are usually just something about Jordan. So it's just kind of common practice.
2: Hey, my tweet of the week here, and this is one of my favorite Twitter accounts, no doubt, hands down. Um, This is from Pro Football Talk Commenter. Um, This is PFT from the Part of My Take podcast. Uh, Not to divert attention to other podcasts, but um, he was actually, this is a retweet of his. So the original tweet was JP Finley, Finley of NBC sports. He says, John Gruden says, or excuse me, Jay Gruden says Redskins will consider adding a fullback to the 53 man roster this fall. PFT commenter says make America grit again. That's pretty good.
0: Fantasy great again. (laughs)
2: oh i love it that's beautiful all right hey we're getting near the end here actually we're at the end zach um i think we covered everything we had nate bain we had terry pace we had some ryan richer uh clips yep
1: get your 25 dollars in that's right it's getting we're getting close it'll be here soon is that it yep (laughs) (laughs) okay hold on
0: Okay, love you. Love you guys.